I'll tell you how it works, right? I took a note, sawtooth wave. Regenned it through itself. Looped it back. Mixed it with the sound of this crab committing suicide. And that is due when it's on rebuild for about three hours. And then I pump it all out through this shim to give it that oaky timbre. Cool. Let's hear it then. All right, so this is uh, what we're calling uh, Dinner in a Podcast. And uh, as I posted on Twitter and Facebook this evening, going to take a trial run at whatever this is going to be. Um, And I think before I introduce the first guest I've ever had on the show, uh, I think it's important to kind of point out the reason that you get to do stuff like this. I've always wanted to do long-form talk, um, and uh, that has been something that has not been afforded to me professionally so one of the things that you get to do is uh, you find yourself a four track mixer a laptop a microphone and then you just do it yourself and I'm able to do that because of things like uh, my show on WSNX and more specifically uh, the crew that has helped along with Way of the Warrior a lot of people if you don't listen to the Way of the Warrior podcast last year that was downloaded nearly 150,000 times Um, And that's a show that uh, barely gets any attention on the actual radio. But when you move it to podcast, there's a ton of people there. So the idea was, well, if we have all of these people that will listen to this MMA product, well, what if uh, we tried to do something else? So if we um, broadened our horizons, started talking about different things uh, on a different podcast as opposed to going in the middle of an MMA podcast talking about George St. Pierre and then going, okay, well, let's talk about Ukraine now. So that's kind of where this came from. Um, And uh, I say with um, no snark or any sort of sarcasm at all that I understand that you are allowing me to do this. uh, And so I'm very appreciative of you allowing me to do some uh, fun new things. Whether or not this is going to work, I don't know. Um, And with that, I introduce uh, my wife as the very first person ever to be on uh, Dinner and a Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Well, and uh, most people, if they've never had the pleasure of meeting you, um, uh, would be probably surprised to know this is the first thing that you've ever done with me in any sort of radio or podcast sense ever. It is. I can't believe it's taken us eight years to sit down (laughs) in a microphone together. I can't believe it wasn't your, like, dating question. Like, hey. Hey, you want to be on my show? That'd be cool. Yeah, it's like a drink, and you want to talk into a microphone? Right. Yeah, no, luckily I was not that level of douchebag, so I I didn't need to do that. I knew plenty of people that would do that sort of thing, you know, the get you back to the radio station sort of... uh, (laughs) I think it sounds so romantic. Yeah, doesn't it sound really romantic? I'd get back to the radio station and then, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, we'll talk. That is not... um, For 60 minutes. We'll yeah, real risky. We, we will not talk for 60 minutes about um, what may or may not ever happened at a radio station, mostly because um, that is not uh, how it happened. And what happens at the radio station <laughs> stays at the radio that's, station. That's also, that's also very true. Um, so this weekend in Grand Rapids, uh, something called the Pet Expo is happening, and we were uh, mere moments away from having a, a second dog. Yes, but, we were. But that did... That did not come to fruition. It did not. Two visits, several dogs, um, wants for other dogs, but we left empty-handed, sadly. And not sadly, because that means that the dogs that were there were adopted by wonderful families. Yeah, but but sadly, we went home with nothing. Um, sadly, we went home to a Marlow. Yes. Well, no, I mean, Marlow is, <laughs> is fine for a Labradoodle, but uh, it's... It's been an interesting year. I mean, last year around this time, um, we had something catastrophic happen in our household that uh, m- meant we lost both pets. 
at yes. you know at the same time and um while you never really recover from something like that um you know, marla was a necessity at the In time yeah, you know absolutely. um and I, you still feel i think when you have a two dog household i think you still feel when you go down to one dog uh that you know you Life's too simple. Well, it's not necessarily chaotic enough. I mean, we are... what if it, Lots of people don't know about us is that because mostly we don't make a big deal about it, but we've done a ton of shelter work with a ton of different dogs. And so to have a house for as many dogs as we've fostered, I mean, right. what, 60 maybe? Mm-hmm. More like 50, 45, yeah. 70, 200. Yes, um, exactly. We're very busy. You know, to have a house with one dog um, is low for people it's like us. It's very low, and to have one dog now in our, our household that's actually a breed-type dog that we actually got from a breeder, which is so unlike our style, leaves us with a different feeling that our house isn't quite at capacity of rescued love. <laughs> I like that, at capacity, I like that. Um, do, you, do you think at any point we'll, we'll get another dog, right? Absolutely. And it will be a big brindle pit or a blue pit or something pit, but it's going to be definitely something that needs our home more than we need it. And we were close today, for sure. Oh, absolutely. There were several dogs, but we just, the timing wasn't right. We had to go back. And by the time we made it back, they were already gone and adopted, which is which is good for them and just a sign that it's just not the right pet quite yet. Do you, when you go to things like that, and there aren't very many, um, I, w- I would say there aren't very many pet expos. At least not not right. very many that I go to. Um, can you maybe describe why that might not necessarily be the ideal place to get a good look at that well, dog? <laughs> it's because it's full of um, several people. First of all, lots of different walks of life there for different reasons. Whether they're there to have their kids ride on the ponies, or they're there to adopt a dog, or just there to really. I mean, there were actually people there that were dropping pets off, which is actually not a very common thing. It doesn't happen. But yeah, I don't. I mean, we. I've worked for Clear Channel for 18 years. I don't know that I've ever seen a drop-off happen yeah, there. Yeah, that happened actually there today. So it's very sad, but but on the positive side, it's just a different environment. People are there. Um, they do same-day adoptions, which in some eyes is a good thing. In other eyes, it's not a good thing. I kind of fall in the middle. I think that you tend to get adopters who are more emotional adopters, and they don't quite think it through, and they just see this poor animal who is homeless and needs this family or love in this moment, and they... They take it home and they do that, but the realistic side of it, it's a lot of work, and then it doesn't always come out to be a, a successful adoption. A lot of times it does, but just that environment's different for everyone. Well, but, I mean, don't you think that's part of the um, charm of a, a pet expo is that you go there and you get to take it home? I mean, there was, you know, there's a couple of dogs that you and I looked at, and we, we, I wouldn't say walked away, but we were a little turned off by the fact that like for I don't even remember the name of this one organization but it was in Indiana and that they needed right. to do a background check and that I would have to drive two and a half hours to go get the dog on Tuesday that to me knowing how many dogs are here in West Michigan I, I'm less likely to be like oh okay well we'll let's stay down this path when we could go to the 19 other shelters that are here in West Michigan True. and have two million dogs a year or whatever. I guess going back to whether it's a good thing, it is absolutely a good thing. I just, I kind of fall into the middle because you do, I just don't want to see dogs get adopted for the emotional reasons. I want them to be more of a committed reason that they're there, that people have thought it through, they've arrived at this pet expo to adopt and they found the right animal that's perfect for them. I just hate to see people go have this 
time of these pets and these cages and these people walking around and they're just wanting to have some affection and that's what grabs at people's heartstrings and have, have, they tend to make more emotional decisions than they should. So I just like to see that these people go with the right intentions. You've um, had more uh, interactions with dogs than I have. I mean, we've obviously fostered together, but you've worked at a number of mm-hmm. vet scenarios. So walk me through perhaps how different that dog will be when you get them home and out of this chaotic situation of a even you know even if you get them from a shelter yeah into a house where there's lots of stuff to get into and things that they aren't totally used to well they'll be they'll be more curious they'll tend to actually show their true colors their true personalities when you're at a shelter environment you know you don't have any idea how long they've been in that kennel for that day or for that week and have they become desensitized to humans visiting them, you know, they're in this kennel and they see a human walk up and have interactions, so they tend to get overly excited. Well, day after day of that overexcitement, they tend to become disengaged with people because why get excited that, that they're not getting out of the cage that day? Right. So you get them home, and they there's usually about a two week foster rule in the mind of when they start to show and show true colors, whether they're going to be more rambunctious or, you know, just more comfortable, or they tend to get into things because they trust their environment. It just, you know, they tend to show their true colors, whether they're great colors or they're just more mischievous colors, or <laughs> you tend to know what you have to work on training-wise. It just kind of happens within that two-week time frame. Would you wait the two weeks through that? I mean, I would call that a honeymoon period. Would you wait before you started training, or would you start training immediately? Well, I think you have to get the dog acclimated to the household, the humans that are in the household, the other pets that are in the household, um, and give them just some time to get comfortable first, and then you can start. I mean, by all means, you need to set boundaries from day one and what your expectations are, because a dog's not going to walk into your house and know what the rules are. You have to set those expectations, but maybe give them some time before you start running puppy boot camp that day. <laughs> and if, you, if I had another dog, mm-hmm. what, what should that process be like? Of introduction? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you go, um, like, we looked at a pit bull today, and that pit bull was really rambunctious and a great energy if it was going to be the only dog we had, right? Yeah. That would have probably, for us, yeah. I, I think it's safe to say if we didn't have Marlo, we would have left with that dog. But when you have a toddler and you have a dog like Marlo, who's a Labradoodle, who has this right. awesome energy and plays great with every dog, and you don't want to kind of overturn the apple cart how does that introduction excuse me what's the what do I do well I think you going back to our our Marlo knowing her personality and how she's going to react you have to watch their body language but you also have to watch the dog that you're bringing into the new home Um, things that have always worked out is if you get home you take both dogs on a walk together they're both leashed you can kind of take them around the block let them kind of get used to you being the leader of the of the two of them and then you can bring them into an open Space, let the dog sniff around, give them more of a time to be comfortable. Don't force any interaction. Um, let them sort of play bow, watch those body languages, and see how they feel. You can tell right away if one's not going to like, there will be hair going up, there will be freezing motions, where the dog will completely freeze and shut down. That's just not the right time. Maybe take that dog, put them in a separate area, kennel so they feel safe, and just wait a couple days. Kind of keep them separated, let them get used to each other and then once you're comfortable and once that dog feels safe and that you're their leader you can kind of take them out and it can be two days it can be two weeks it, it just depends on how their personality is and their trust factor how um, long would you stick with that before you maybe contacted the shelter like if you let's say oh, in, in a definitely. in a rare case you made a mistake you know it's it's just not working out to bring them back 
or I mean, or what, what's that process? You know, if because most people don't have the skill set that you have. You know, they're not they're not going to know all of these things. And and if it, I think a lot of people, especially in on a weekend like this, they go and they pick a dog up and mm-hmm. they bring it home and they just think it's going to be like peanut butter and jelly. And yeah, in most cases it's not. But I I think you'd like to think that almost nine times out of ten that it's going to work out. You just have to be patient. You have to work with them. You can't expect to just throw your pets into a household and expect it to be the most gracious and wonderful experience. There's going to be some hardships because it's a, an animal who needs to be either if it's a puppy or if it's an older dog, it needs to be trained, it needs to be shown boundaries, and that takes some time. And if you're not going to do those kinds of things, then you shouldn't be there adopting a dog. Um, I would give it a couple of weeks and then whatever trials and tribulations you go through, work through them and set expectations with the pet, train them, get them into obedience class. I mean, there's a few months down the road that you're going to have to put some work in and, you know, it could even be longer than that. You just have to get to a point where you're comfortable and you as the dog owner need to stick with it and stick with the task of training and being dominant in the household, leading them, feeding them the same time, you know, whatever it is. If you're a household that doesn't allow dogs on the couch, then don't allow either one of them on the couch. Stick to your guns. Unlike me, who they give me those sad eyes and I'm like, come on here. Yeah, you you might be the, as far as the not on the furniture, that's something that you... It's so odd for me because I wear the pants in the family, but yet when it comes to any sort unless of there's sad, Unless the, those pants eyes. have four legs, then you don't wear those pants at all, actually. But I don't really have any rules. <laughs> you you can clearly hear Marlo getting uh, water. Um, on Twitter and Facebook, if you want to follow along with either one of us, uh, it's at EOB1045 and uh, at R- uh, Angie, RMH, um, on Twitter and uh, on Facebook. What is your... Do you have a vanity URL on Facebook? Is it Angie um, Holtgren? I do, but I hate to, I, I don't think so. I don't know yeah, what it is, okay. to be honest with you. Well, if you want to follow on Facebook, you just search me and you'll figure it out, I guess. So I think uh, on that note, we can kind of wrap this at you know 15 or 16 minutes and uh, kind of see what this whole experiment was like um, I mean next time I would say that we probably would actually need to have dinner with the dinner and a podcast I but know. it took me eight years to get here and you didn't even give me dinner I know but I, I wanted to I really wanted to try out the equipment I wanted to see how it worked I wanted to get something online and get people um, to kind of weigh in on what they want this thing to sound like and uh, maybe start lining people up to be guests well, ideally um, I'm going to have four or even five people, and obviously you live here, so you're more than welcome anytime. Oh, to, okay, thank you. <laughs> to, to come on, um, but uh, we will do one next week uh, that will be a little bit more long form, um, probably right around an hour is what we're aiming for. So if uh, you liked what you hear or you wanted to adjust something, um, please let me know on Twitter at uh, eob1045. Have a uh, wonderful weekend. Um, couple MMA notes before we take off. We'll cover them in Way of the Warrior. Uh, Chris Cyborg lost over the weekend in a Muay Thai bout. And that looks like that might have done some serious damage to her UFC career, as the UFC has been tweeting uh, all weekend long about what does this do to Chris Cyborg coming into the UFC. So I'm guessing that it means they're going to sign her cheap, which was one of the issues, or they're not going to sign her at all. Um, uh, Metamorous 3, we will cover that when uh, that finishes. It currently is uh, in progress right now. Uh, Vinny Magales uh, bowed out with a staph infection in the middle of the day, so uh, we wish him the best. And we will dive into, I know this is 
your favorite, Angie. We will dive into the George St. Pierre ACL tear. Um, mm. It's interesting that a guy who's retired blows his knee out wrestling. And I know Dana White said today to the LA Times that uh, it was a big blow to them because they honestly thought he was coming back much, much sooner than later. Um, oh, and I thought so, too. Well, and if the last ACL injury is any sort of indication, he was out for a year before he fought Carlos Condit. So does we he have, need someone to take care of him? Yeah, he does. Clearly, he needs somebody to take care of him. I will uh, connect you too. But uh, as far as news goes, that means that George is probably a year away from even discussing the, the opportunities of coming back to the UFC. Does he even want to? And does he want to and or need to? And the only upside to this, in my opinion, uh, and we'll talk about this on Way of the Warrior, is that... Um, that time frame makes it really interesting uh, between a super fight for him and Anderson Silva because that timing seems to work out perfectly. So that might be the only um, silver lining in this very cloudy day in the George St. Pierre world. Sure. But uh, we'll talk about that on Way of the Warrior. You can follow along there uh, at Wow Show on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I am Eric O'Brien. That is my wife Angie, who will go back Thank to. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. Go back to doing uh, whatever you were actually enjoying tonight when I made you sit down and do this podcast. <laughs> 